Hi, this is Donna Otto, and I am here to talk to you about all things being woman, woman of faith, wife, mother, hellmaker. How you doing? How you doing that? How you doing as a woman of faith? How you doing as a wife and married person in the pandemic? They're everywhere, aren't they? And they're reorganizing your kitchen, no doubt. <sighs> what about motherhood? How's motherhood looking? All the changes and all the corrections and all the things you started out to do and then had to quit because of the pandemic or rearrange and do it in a different manner. And then what's your house looking like? Well, today I want to talk to you about something that I've been thinking about this and talking about this and the pieces sort of come and flow and come in and out together. And, and I think the question might be, what kind of a woman are you? What choice have you made that matters the most? How do you make choices? What are you known for? If someone says, there's Donna Otto, she's known for what? I hope it's not she's known for being a podcaster. What's she known for? I honestly don't know what I'm known for, but I have been thinking so much about it that, and I, we talked a few days ago about the fact that words matter and ideas matter and character matter. And, and, and so I think, okay, so character matters, following Christ matters, love matters, and, and and when I, I went through it, I've been banging my head in this, and, and I finally came to honesty matters. So, so I want, oh, I want, I don't want, I hope, no, I want, I want to be a woman who is honest, who is authentic, who is um, able to be thought of as a woman who is an honest woman. I think authenticity is a word that's really overworked. Um, authentic, is she authentic, is she not authentic? Well, in the moment is she or is she not in the moment? Because I don't think honesty or authenticity is something that we're able to carry around fully and apply always. Because in the moment we have to make decisions sometimes and that's why it's so important that we fill up our tank. You know, we I was just talking with some women and the phrase garbage in, garbage out came to the table. And I thought to myself, that is one of the earliest technological words, phrases, catches. Because if you put garbage in that computer, what you're going to get out was garbage. And, and it, it's so true of our lives. So what are you putting in? Are you making time to put things that allow you to be authentic and honest or are you putting things that uh, allow you to fall over and lapse? Being authentic, being the real you, the true you, the God who designed you. I recently read, and 
very old article. So it's 20 years ago that Brennan Manning wrote this article, and he, and it was about um, how we lived our lives. And he had had such a checkered life. He quotes in the article that he was born addicted to alcohol and approval. And I, I just laughed out loud when I read it. I thought, what could be two more dread things? Addicted. Addiction, first of all, but then what are you addicted to? We're all addicted to something. If it's blackberries or ice cream or the way we go to bed at night. You know, I have my bed ethics. I'm kind of addicted to my bed ethics. He was addicted to approval and alcoholic. Approval of others. Oh. That plays a huge part, and we talked about that when we talked about courtesy counts. Do I need the approval of someone else? Do I say, here, come here, because God's calling me to do that with someone, or do I only do the things that keep me out of trouble? (laughs) Now, I get myself into trouble so easily that I would be spending a lot of my life if I thought much about how. what do I do to keep myself out of trouble. But I do know this. I do know this most certainly, not just chronological age, but the years that I spent meeting with God, watching God as God watches me, educating myself in the scripture, reading fine authors who spoke about how to live a life of faith. I got, I got much less trouble. Through the years, I've gotten myself in much less trouble. I know when to keep my mouth shut now. I know when to speak. I know how to speak. I know who to speak to. I was recently with a young woman who said, you know, I don't think I know my audience. And I thought, oh, she's um, becoming a very public person. And I thought, knowing your audience really matters. Who are you speaking to? But meeting with God, meeting with God has a way of humbling me down. When I'm beginning to feel a little prickish and uh, on top of things, uh, I suddenly meet with God and I am honest with him. Who knows me anyway? How many years did I pretend that if I didn't say that, then it wasn't really true and God didn't know it? Knowing myself and letting God reveal to me myself. There is a passage of scripture that I fall to, oh, so many times, personally and professionally. I fall to this one single verse written by David. I fall to it because it describes what God is asking us to do with him. And it says, you, you be, David is saying this to who? To God. David is saying this to God. And this is Psalm 51. You know its contents. Creating me a clean heart. David is just falling on his sword because he's been such a dork. And in verse 6 he says, You, God, desire truth in my inward being. Therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Wow. Wow. Those words stopped me. They still stop me. They still stop me. You, you, God, inward heart, secret heart. Do I have a secret heart? Yes, I do. I have a secret heart. I have a a heart that wants me to stay away from what's really true and what's really honest and what's really going on inside of me. Because if I don't see it and I don't do anything about it and I don't talk about it, maybe it'll go away. It doesn't work that way, does it? 
And he says, God, you desire. I, David, say to you, you desire that I know truth in my inward being. That's an honest person. I don't care how bad the truth is. I know it my inward being. And then he says the second phrase. So, so it's the juxtaposition of these two phrases. You desire God. I believe you do desire that I know my inner being. And then he says, and you know the secret, my secret heart. Do you have a secret heart? You betcha. Yes, you do. Even if you're not talking about it, even if you are not acknowledging it. And you know the best part of the secret heart? Is God's the only one who knows it? Did I whisper too softly? God is the only caretaker of the secret heart. I love that about him. I love that about him. Because he knows it and he knows when I'm ready and able to receive it. David Benner, who I like very much, says, You are created from love, of love, for love. Our existence, yours and mine, makes no sense apart from divine love. So if God, your creator, accepts you and loves you as you are, how can you do less? How can you do less? I think of the ways we fall away from self in believing we can care for ourselves. I can't care for myself as well as God can care for me. I, I just keep on going and keep on going in my youth. I, 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 an 18-hour day was nothing at all for me to have an 18-hour day. So in this authenticity, in this honesty, Brennan says the real deal is being honest. Honest with God. Honest with others. Honest with yourself. That's the real deal. Now, do you walk up to a total stranger and tell them the innermost honest part of your heart? No. But there comes again the things that I was inclined to told, encouraged to do, meeting with God and learning the tools that God offered me to know myself. I talk here about transformation often, and I talk more about transformation in this part of the walk of my life than I have before, because I think we spend a lot of time, and if you were in studio, you see I have my hand, my index finger at my eyebrows, and I'm waving up because I say we spend a lot of time with cognitive information, gaining information, more information, knowing, 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 reading, 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 studying, 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 go to the class, da, 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 da. And then we started saying, well, maybe I don't need so much more information. Maybe I just need to take that information and form myself. Spiritual formation movement began 45 years ago. Very good movement. It helps us take that information and form it into something that we can use to glorify God and encourage others. But that's still not enough. We have to be transformed. Transform. Paul says that we are transformed from one glory to another glory. We never stop being transformed. If you said to me, what do I do, want to do on the day I die? I want to be transformed in some other place in my world where it needs transformation. God calls us. He invites us. He says, come, come and join me. We are, we love invitations. We love invitations. I recently was with a young woman who I have known for 26 or 7 years. Mm, 29 years. I knew her before she got married. She's been married 29 years. And she just told me that she went to an inaugural ball. 
I was a gaga. I thought I wanted, I just wanted to touch her and tell me all the details. Like, what about an invitation to the inaugural ball? Well, today that's not such a big invitation anymore, but it used to be a big invitation. What is it? The invitations in your life. What are you excited about when you open up the mail and you've been invited or you receive an invitation on the telephone or you receive an invitation to speak somewhere? I'll never forget a place I always thought, oh, I would love to be invited to speak there. I never did anything to get invited to speak there. And then one day the phone came. It was a great invitation. Keeping company with Jesus is receiving his invitation because he is always present, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he desires for me to pause and be in a quiet place with him. There is an application on your telephone, okay? So this is... Uh, this is authenticity. This is honesty. This is having a place where you can be honest. And we don't get honest until we get quiet. I don't say that's quotable, but I think it's true. I don't get honest until I'm quiet, because otherwise I'm just blustering. I'm just talking and excusing and deceiving myself saying that's not so bad and this isn't okay, or that's so terrible and I shouldn't do that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The next time we're together, I'm going to talk to you about a passage of Scripture in Matthew 7. It's the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm going to bring it in, not going straight through it. But this passage is right follows the narrow gate. And what is the narrow gate? The narrow gate is what he calls us. He calls us to, in Luke, the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship is so great that we may have to hate our mother or our father or our husband or our children or everything to put him first. He doesn't tell us to hate them, but we have to put him first. And that may put us up against someone we love. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, I deceive myself the most... Why do I deceive myself the most? Because it's really hard to look in the mirror and see who I really am. Like, I have a magnifying glass that magnifies my face 15 times of what it really is. But my eyes aren't very good these days. And even with my glasses on, I want to see what it is. How do I do that? The cost of discipleship, God speaks of all through the Gospels. This is what it will cost you. This is what it'll cost you to surrender. This is what it'll cost you to make God first in your life. This is what it will cost you. It will cost you something. But remember that you are deeply loved and that you are deeply sinful and you are always on the road to transformation. This is a lifelong process. This is a lifelong process. And the, the opposite of honesty is secrecy. The opposite of honesty is secrecy. And I'm asking you today, what secrets are you trying to keep? What secrets are you trying to keep so no one knows the extra box of cookies you're eating? Doesn't seem like much, but if you're overweight, it may be much. No one knows your history because you haven't believed that you're forgiven from it. There's a wonderful song that I have come to just love called Gentle Savior. And in the song, the writer um, says, I, I, I'm carrying around the burden of my past like a house I can't afford. 
like a house I can't afford. The burdens of my past. Why do I carry around the burdens of my past? Because I have not believed that God has really forgiven me. And if I am forgiven, then I am a new creature and I am being transformed. And if I am forgiven, the burdens of the past are easy to talk about because they're the past. They are what they were. They are not anything that I can be concerned with right now. Nothing. So if I'm hiding a sin of the past, keeping it secret, the first person, the first question to ask is, do I believe I've been forgiven for that sin? Do I believe I've been forgiven for that sin? Being an honest woman is easy. Yes, I think it is. I think it's easy when we truly acknowledge that everything that really matters to God, everything that really matters to God is resident within you. He created you. He loves you. He sacrificed for you. And he wants nothing more than your best. Nothing more than your best. I'm going to end by reading to you just a, a verse, if I can find it very quickly, from First Thessalonians. I think it's First Thessalonians, chapter 5, where he talks to us about this notion of uh, believing the best. It's in the final part of the chapter 5, the first book, and he says, we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And then he gives a list of things. And he ends it by saying, see that none of you repay evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another. Always seek to do good to one another. That's honest. You can never get in trouble for doing good, but you can get in a lot of trouble for acting like you're doing good because in the end you're doing something. You hope you get something good out of it. Honesty. Honesty. It's a great principle. Secrecies and secrets that keep us from being honest should be aired in the light with someone you trust. My name is Donna Otto, and I am delighted to have joined you. We are modern homemakers, and we want you to remember that the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make a very uncommon day of seeking truth for honesty. Well, thank you so much for the many emails and PSs to emails about subjects and things you're interested in hearing from modern homemakers. I always have to say thanks for listening, but we want you to continue offering these for the next couple of weeks. The Sermon on the Mount is still on the table, and I think you're laughingly saying she's going to do that anyway. I am going to do some of it, but I also want to know how seriously I should dig into it and how many shows you might be interested in listening to about the Sermon on the Mount. So if you will send us an email. I'm responding to all those emails personally, and I'll look forward to hearing from you and the topics that would encourage you the most in 2021 from Modern Homemakers.